0: All right. Man, we are just keep chugging along here, Cody. This is another edition of the Profit Roadmap here at SA4 2017. The theme is next, and we've got somebody next. Um, Cody, why don't you do the honor since uh, and now that it's in my head, I'm probably going to mispronounce it? Did you name. forget his name? No, I didn't forget his name. I'm just totally to like him? you guys made a big deal about the pronunciation of his name, and now I'm going to like screw it up.
1: I was just up. making sure. It's not, just it's not even a hard one. I make, know. It's not like me nervous it, say my own it name. could
0: be like Kowalski or, you know. Or, you know, Potoshnik. you know, yeah. that, that's a hard name to pronounce, you know, if you don't know him.
2: All right. Well, hey, today we have a guy that I met at breakfast just, was that only yesterday? Uh, two, days ago. two days ago. Yeah. Two days ago. Uh, Ted Glazer.
0: How were the muffins?
2: Uh, I didn't have muffins you at didn't have those We muffins? had a case of chila. What is that even called? Oh, chilaquiles. 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 Is that like oh. a thing down here or is that? Muy bueno. Yeah. It's, like oh. a, it's pretty common
1: at Tex-Mex okay, places. Right on. Yeah. It's muy bueno. Remind me where you're from, Ted? I am from Lincoln, Nebraska.
0: That's right. Man, so I not was, Wyoming, not Canada, not Idaho, not Iowa. I didn't Nebraska. say Idaho. <laughs> is that no, true. what say so Idaho. I
2: came up with multiple uh, states loosely affiliated with corn in my mind. Oh,
1: so that's all so all you remembered from our conversation is the guy
2: from Corn. Corn, yeah. 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 It could have Affili- been affiliated with corn gotcha, for sure. Gotcha. Like, yeah.
0: Actually, did you know that Kentucky has a lot of corn fields? Anyway, side note, it doesn't matter.
2: I remembered that I was pretty sure you were younger than me too. Is that the vibe that I gave off? You seem young. I am, but I didn't know
1: if oh. I was just like was it was it a face thing or a no, th- no, this is no, this no, no,
0: is no. The thing. <laughs> this is a thing on the podcast too. You know, because I I know that you've listened to it too. We always make fun of the fact that you know Cody is like you know a child and I'm an yeah. adult man. So
2: <laughs> I'm I'm concerned for what happens if you're younger than me. I I don't think I am. You're, how, how old are you? You're 23, right? I am 23. I'm 26. Oh, okay. Well, I remain the youngest on the profit profit roadmap.
0: Fantastic. That's great. So 26. Okay, so hey, you were Bear. born in what year?
2: Uh 91. So 91. Bear, What were you still? doing in 91? 1991. I was wearing a smashing was, pumpkins shirt for sure.
0: No, I was, that would be my brother. I was starting uh I was starting first grade with Mrs. Emanuelson and I was learning how to read. Because, I yes, I know how to read.
1: So, does 90s kid count as born in the 90s or raised on 90s culture? Because someone who's, like, born in 99, he be like, I'm a 90s kid, but they don't remember. No, they're not. They don't know
2: anything that Are you an kidding answer. me? My Come sister on. was born in 99. She's not a 90s yeah. kid. I, mean, just... I was just asking. There's thing, no, I think there's things I'm that... I'm barely a 90s kid.
0: Yeah, I think that, but there's things that, that Cody and I talk about where, where I remember from my teenage years, and they were his childhood, but at least he gets the reference sometimes. And, and I think you and I are a lot more, even though you're... You know oh God you're eight years younger than me jeez man Ted <laughs> God <I'm> old dude <laughs> this is crazy you, hey Wait,
1: you started first grade when you were eight <laughs>
0: <laughs> no I was born in eighty three
1: I'm just asking you that, so right. was
0: it first grade or second no it was second grade okay I was I, second grade I'm just I'm just asking the question second, I, second grade. I like
2: that Ted is playing into the so, the whole yeah uh, so I was kinder-
0: yeah so okay yeah, okay. Bear yeah. doesn't
2: have the sharpest claws in the, oh, the I den.
1: Oh, I didn't say that. I just met Bear like five minutes ago. I'm not, I'm not saying that.
2: Sharpest claws. I no.
0: just asked the question. Well, hey,
2: we brought, we brought Ted on today because I met him at uh, Martha Woodward's breakfast a couple days ago. Uh, we were sitting next to each other. We ordered the same thing off the menu. Like, yes. I, I like to bring people on that remind me of myself.
1: Oh, thank you. Uh,
2: yeah, well... It remains to be seen whether that's a compliment. <laughs> at least I, yeah, we'll best, I At least I still have the best facial hair out of this.
1: Coincidentally, face. I didn't know who you were, but I recognized your voice from the podcast. <laughs> I literally said, "Are you the dude from the podcast?" <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't man. even know you were <laughs> a service autopilot employee. I thought you were just some guy sitting at the table.
0: That's that's awesome. That's fantastic. Um, it was
2: very exciting for me.
0: <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah.
2: So we brought Ted on today because we want to hear his member journey story. Uh, just talk a little bit about why he became an entrepreneur. Uh, what pushed him to finally take that step into the larger world of like, I'm not going to work for somebody else. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, so Ted, tell us about that.
1: Yeah. So I, on the one hand, I don't think my story is that different from other people. Uh, it is a little bit due to my age. Uh, I know it's not always the story that you hear. Uh, but so I, uh, My dad grew up on a farm in North Dakota, moved down to Lincoln, and farm mentality is whatever dad does, that's what the family does. So my dad goes in like rental real estate, um, and uh, my dad is blind. He's not like legally blind. He's legally blind, but he's not totally blind, so he can't drive. So he has rental properties, and so uh, since I was like eight, I had to mow the rental properties because that's the family business. So he hired a college kid to drive me and my little brother around. He's paying us like eight bucks an hour. He's amazing. It's $5 an hour. I was looking at Baron, eight years old in
2: first grade and everything. So,
1: <laughs> so I. He was like, We're not
2: reporting your income. It's high. Yeah, yeah,
1: exactly. He was making a killing. So, uh, so I turned 16. I bought a truck and I went to a, a Christian school and I had to pay for my school bill while I went there. So, I was a janitor at the school and, and a lot of kids were. A lot of kids worked at the school to help facilitate paid for their own school bills. I was a server at a restaurant. Um, and I was mowing for my dad's properties. And so, uh, i had got a truck and I said, you know, pay me a little more than five bucks an hour. I'll take care of everything myself. And so, so uh, you
2: were hustling from a young age.
1: Yeah. 13 to
0: be, this week. I've heard 14, 15, eight years old.
1: Well, I was groomed to be a workaholic apparently. So, so no, but, uh, so, uh, in high school, that's kind of what I was doing. I went to college. I had no intent of doing lawn care as a career. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but, uh, uh, I figured, you know, I'm just, I mean, this is a great way to pay for my school bill. So I quit being a server at the restaurant and lawn care was my only source of income. I was only doing like 30 properties or something like my freshman year. Uh, by my senior year, uh, we were doing about a hundred thousand a year, um, while in school, but it was miserable cause you're, you know, you, you schedule all your classes so that you can be done with school by two and then go straight to work. And then you mow until dark Then you get done, you do whatever paperwork has to be done. Then you do homework until like two o'clock every morning. and It wasn't every day, but it was total burnout. So got done with school and at that point, because of what we were doing, I said, well, who can imagine being a million dollar company? Because I wasn't thinking like that. But I said, well, we'll give this five years and see what happens. So this is in 2013 and over the last Few years, and you know, I know you're gonna ask me about some of the hurdles we faced. Uh, we basically, I thought, well, if in 10 years, because it just seemed like an insurmountable goal, we can hit it. So we would have hit that goal this year. I got a little lazy in our sales season this spring, um, so that was on me. But uh, we've been through uh, kind of a, a very aggressive and fast journey, and it has not been the most efficient uh, just due to mistakes that you make when you are learning. Um, but that's kind of the lowdown, kind of what got us to where we're at and what we're what we're doing right now.
0: So where are you at on the the you said you were going to give it five years or whatever. Where are you guys right now in terms of that goal?
1: Sure. So uh, for anyone who's listening to this podcast and they've been here, there's then this concept of you hit black holes in your revenue in terms of uh, if you are at a certain revenue standpoint, you either need to get past that quick or fall back, but you need to make a decision on that. And we've been floating in the same spot for about three years now for a number of reasons. Um, so right now we're at like the, the nine range and we've been sitting there for a while uh, and we're going to be there again next year but we're making major changes to so our profitability is different we're building the infrastructure now to get out of it
0: um, fantastic that's yeah. sensational so, avoiding that black hole
1: yeah well it's like i said i mean no one wants to be there intentionally it's just due to some hardships that we just kind of got put we we had to stay there for a minute
2: so what what was that hardship
1: uh yeah so um i and i've been a service autopilot user for a couple years, I haven't really been using the software to its full capacity because I'm an idiot. But uh, we're working on that now. And uh, so no, you just fall Ted, into
2: you Ted fall Ted into the things that I'm principle. not allowed to say 80 20. I well, like this. What's that? No, no, no I, I can't repeat it.
1: Oh, yeah, so You can't call me an idiot for not using it, but I can call myself one.
2: Man, it just costs you money.
1: I know it does. That's that's that. OK, so anyway, so this is my first conference. I've never been to conference. Um, and uh, and but I have I have other friends who are users and, you know, we learn from them. It um, remind me again. What was the question I was answering right now?
2: Talking about the hardship. Oh, hardship. Yeah. Why got you stuck?
1: So, yeah. So, yeah. Uh,
0: how would you find in yourself in the black hole?
1: Yeah. So, what happened was, is a year ago, last year, uh, we lost six guys in six weeks, which was like a big portion of our our staff. And we're seasonal. Like we we only get thirty weeks of mowing. We don't even have. I mean, it snowed once last year. So, seasonality is a major hurdle. And how do you, what do you do in the wintertime? How do you staff for that? How do you scale your business when you have to start over every spring? And so, you know, we lost a bunch of guys right in the middle of the year. And I sat down and I was like, I don't know if I want to be a part of this business anymore. I don't know what we want to do. And were we were doing guys
2: you had to let go or did they leave? It was a
1: combination. I had some bad attitudes. Uh, it was a co- so. I didn't fire people when I should have fired them, so the good guys left because they didn't want to deal with it, and then the, guys got, the bad guys ended up leaving anyways, and it was a bad situation, and we were doing a lot of very large commercial work. And so this issue was is when you have to train in one or two guys, no big deal, you put them on a simple crew, they get trained in. But when you lose massive portions of your staff and it's skilled labor, how do you replace that in the middle of the season when you can't, have a, you know a couple of weeks to train them in before you on, through your onboarding process,
2: and that's how you get tricked into going back into the field.
1: Yeah, I didn't because uh, I knew I could not yeah, You man. cannot fall into... that. You no, that was that was a huge no. No, don't.
2: Who I, who kept you from doing that?
1: Uh, I th- 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 stubbornness.
2: That- Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Okay, and, I, and, I, and I know, yeah. and I,
1: I do, I have, I have friends in the industry who were good influences on that as well.
2: I know that Jonathan has talked about like, oh, yeah, you that's have to like, part of the reason to come to the conference is like finding people to be accountable to, mm-hmm. to keep you from doing that. Cause it's so easy to slip back onto the truck.
1: Yeah. So at that time I didn't know a lot of people, but I knew that that was not okay. Um, So I knew that we had to figure out, and because again, it's not scalable if it's not a system. So if if you don't have a systemized process to whatever you're dealing with, then this problem will happen again. So my mentality is, is if we had this problem, how can we never let this happen again? So what happened was, is we're doing all this commercial work and the decision basically was made, uh, we need to get out of this big commercial for our style of work. And a lot of people make a lot of money in commercial, but I decided for me, that's not what I want to do anymore because I don't want to deal with the employment issue that comes along with it. Um, And people will differ with you. Some people think commercial is way easier. In our situation, the residential crews were flawless. They never had problems. Any new employee went straight to residential crews. Any experienced employees was on the commercial crews. And when you lose all your experience, that's where you're screwed. So we dealt with that. We got through it. And at the start of this spring, I sat down and figured out, okay, we're going to finish out this year. But we didn't make the growth goals that we should have because instead we spent this entire year focusing on processes and culture. Um,
2: Laying the groundwork to Yeah. Fix the problem. Yeah. Yeah. And so
1: again, a a common conversation point, this conference has been, Hey, if you are in a black hole, be intentional. If you're laying the infrastructure, AKA you're buying the trucks. Now you're buying the trailers, you're buying the mowers, you're overstaffing because you know, you're going to fill that with sales later. I mean, so you're not going to be making as much money, but you either need to decide, okay, then you better get to work in sales or get rid of all that equipment, fire those employees and stay smaller and more profitable. So this year, uh, we, we didn't buy any, well, yeah, we didn't really have to buy a whole lot of other stuff. We already had it. We focused on, uh, you know, making sure our culture was good, making sure whatever process we have in place for when new employees come in. So when that turnover occurs, because it's not going to not happen, it's still going to happen, hopefully not at that scale all at once. But when that does come, how do you deal with it quickly and smoothly and efficiently? And it doesn't affect your, your, your customers. And and my my goal is that a customer would never know that we face that hardship. They shouldn't know. They should have no idea because their their service should never change. Yeah. So now now we're in this year. Now we're dropping. We're not renewing very large portions of our revenue right now, and we're going to do it in phases. I'm not dropping all the big commercial at once. So here we're going to be in the same revenue spot again next year, but it's going to be filled in the words of uh, those who've read the pumpkin planners with that mentality of get a specific type of customer and then replicate that over and over and over again. Yeah. So we're di- we're getting rid of all the the stuff that we're not enjoying doing, that we're not making as much money on and we're rebuilding our company basically from the ground
2: up. We keep talking Focus about Mike McCulloughwitz's books. We need to get him on the show. We really do
0: and that that's that's something that needs to happen. I think that uh I was talking to a couple of uh folks. And I, I think we, well, we certainly have the connections for to do that. Not well, that we're was, that cool. We just know people who year, are like, that cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He spoke at the conference. Okay. Yeah. I, still I just, spoke at
0: the conference last year, but just to kind of reiterate. So just so I understand what you're doing, you're, you're taking a very profitable piece of business or, you know, your commercial and stuff, and you're scaling it back, scaling it down, getting rid of it, focusing on that one, on that one market, that one piece. How, how much stress is that alleviated now it it, it stinks cuz that, that that check doesn't come in but from from the business aspect and the stress level how how is that you know how is that alleviated stress off of uh, off of your plate
1: yeah well and that comes back to having a process so like uh If you have a good process in place and you follow your system and the system works, uh, then you're not stressed about things that pop up that aren't your norms because you have a system that that takes care of it itself.
2: And the system worked before, and so we're trusting that it's going to work again.
1: Yeah, and, and there's an element of trust. And also, you know, when you start to scale something, if there's inefficient, if something's not working, it's going to get found out pretty quick. And then right away, you have to say, okay, this is not working. What can we do so this doesn't happen? Every every decision, every problem that we ever face is, how can we never let this happen again? And I'm sure a lot of people think that. And in, I'm acting like I have it figured out. I don't. But... You know, we come up with an idea. Okay, let's try So, So this doesn't happen again. Let's try this. And maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. But it's a trial and error type thing. I'm sorry. How did you
0: settle on the commercial to get rid of that? I just want to hit that point real quick. uh,
1: Well, that's still a process. So for instance, like we're just not renewing contracts. Quite literally, we are letting our customers know, hey, next year we will not be able to provide your service or, or we're subbing it. So we're maintaining all the fertilizer, all the other stuff. But it's mostly the mowing I'm talking about right now.
0: Why did you decide that that was the headache though?
1: Uh, because, because that was the part that was difficult to staff okay. and the, and, well, in and a number of reasons, uh, commercial, there's no, there's very it's hard to have loyalty in that because you're talking property managers and property managers are commodities in that realm. So you build a great relationship with someone with an apartment complex that's paying you $50,000 a year and you have this great rapport with the property manager. And, and you're doing a great job. And you're doing a great job. And then that dude gets transferred or fired or whatever, but he's gone. Someone new comes in. Now they want to create a legacy and make themselves look like the new awesome property manager. So they start going through everything and they decide, man, like someone's charging, whatever, or I just want to make a change because I want to have my, my plant my imprint on how this complex is being run, and then you lose the contract.
2: Well, and if he got transferred in from somewhere else, he might already have a, a lawn care guy yeah. that he's Yeah, I mean, you with. never
1: know, and that's, that's just one example. And it's just it's very cutthroat. It's cutthroat everywhere. But in my market, uh, a lot of players are ignoring residential because they think commercial is where you want to be, uh, which is fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with commercial. A lot of people make a great business in commercial. But for us, I said, I don't want to play that game. So I'm going to pull out I don't so I don't have to be as competitive on my price. And if you if you're not having all your eggs in one basket. Let's say you lose one account but it's 50 grand. Um, that's a that's, that's a lot of money to just lose in one phone call. So I said I just I'm going to I'm going to rather than try and change the game, I'm just I'm not going to play that game. I'm going to move over to a different area that I know that we know how to play and play well. But it is scary. My market's not huge. I mean, Lincoln has like 300,000 people total. It's not a suburb. It's that's the whole thing. And so, you know, you have to, so I, on the one hand, it's a little nerve wracking to say, okay, we're going to restrict a, a big portion of our stuff. But I, I mean, we've, we, we know that the, the work is there because again, that residential market in my market is kind of being ignored by, by a large player. So
0: just to get an idea on something, this is something we haven't really done here on the podcast. I just, and cause it, you just, you hit it with the fact that you're from Lincoln and stuff. If, if Nebraska, if you, UN called you up and said, Hey, I want you to take care of everything. They contract that out or they hire, they have in-house stuff. I understand that. But just from, your, since you're familiar, give, give yourself a familiar place to, to reference. What would that job be worth to you as a, as a company? Just because I want to put a number on it to, for anyone out there that's not, who's, who's thinking, like who has commercial entities may not be pricing right. I just, I just want to get your take on it. Well,
1: like, so, wait, tell me the question again then.
0: You, what, what would, what's the, uh, if, you, if the University of Nebraska
1: Okay. Like the campus? The campus. Oh, okay.
0: Hired you on, contracted you. What's that job worth to you? Uh,
1: well, it depends on what the scope of work is. So are, are, is the question though, at what point would you still take a commercial job? Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's not a revenue number. It's a profit number. Um, but honestly, I don't know if I would do it. I, I truly think the stress of that and the way that we're trying to, I don't think our future business model would allow it because we wouldn't have the, the equipment for it. Like We would not be able to fulfill that obligation because we're not equipped for it. So I would tell them, and quite, we are, we're already doing this. We have a home association just last week who called us up, and it's like 150, 300 that about 150 homes and 10 acres of commons area. And I am not going to bid on it because I know it's not what we want to do. See, so I if think- the university called me up, I, because I know that we're gonna, chances are high that we'll fail it. And then it's, it's, it's a lose-lose for everybody.
0: See, I think the restraint that you are displaying here is remarkable because I think that if <laughs> – Man, if someone drops a check on my lap, you know, I just don't know if I I just don't know if I have the discipline to do that. So what? Well, the, you're also
1: but keep in mind, I'm the restraint is due to a lot yeah, of experience. Failures. Yeah, yeah I, I understand. I know it's restrained because I'm sitting here like, well, I remember staffing. That was a nightmare. The profit margins weren't that good uh, dealing the 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 obligations to make sure everything is fulfill it all the time. It was the stress that I don't, it's not even tempting to me because I don't want to deal with it.
0: Well, no, that's, and that's something that I want our listeners to get too from it as well as the fact that, you know what, it's okay to say no, if it's not in the best interest of your company, if it's not part of your culture, if it's not part of your plan, if it doesn't check all the boxes, it doesn't matter how many zeros are in the, at the end of the, in that check.
1: Yeah, well, and I would, I would go on to say this as well. It's important to recognize uh, why are you in business? Like, why are you doing what you're doing? And for me, uh, and maybe it's because I'm a mill- millennial, but it mattered to me that uh, I'm in business for freedom of my time and to be happy and stuff like that. So if my goal was to make a ton of money and that's why I'm running my company, uh, which is nothing wrong with that, if that was my goal, then my, my, uh, I would be much more interested in taking that contract, but that's not my goal. My goal is to make sure that I have uh, a lifestyle and a happiness that suits what I'm looking for. And as I scale my company, the paycheck will come when, it, when we get there. So I've foregone, you know, I haven't paid myself as much as my peers early on. And that was a, a personal decision. Uh, but that's because, again, that, and that's, how, that's why it's easy to say no, because it's not tempting because it's not about the money. But that's, that's up for debate. Anyone, I mean, you, you'll have different opinions on that.
0: No, that's no. That's, like I said, that's something that I wanted to hit on. It's something we haven't really discussed.
2: It's, it's bare not being a millennial. That's why he doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm just messing with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. No, actually, I'm, I'm, I'm well, not and, a millennial. I mean, like
1: a, I said, the, the reason that's up for debate, because someone, someone could be of a different mindset and be in the exact same position and think I'm a total moron. And that's fine, because that's the approach that they want to take to their business. The beauty
0: of it, it is... It doesn't that, match your philosophy, It doesn't though. match your philosophy. That, and that's the thing that I want to hit on and i think that there's room for that in any business that you have whether it's any of our well, members are doing you have, doing to, you have to
2: have something that is the deciding factor that isn't just oh my gosh this is going to make us so much revenue like if if that's what decides everything for you you're going to be everywhere doing everything and you're not going to make any money at the end of the
0: day you have to be able to you have to be able to say no and that th- i think i think there was again uh, to use the word restraint here I, I think having that restraint and having that discipline to really build out a philosophy for yourself, and I think you've done a tremendous job.
1: Well, it's a saying, work in progress. I don't don't, well, don't don't paint it like it's perfect, but we're working on it. No, it's
0: not, and that's the thing, though. But and I think that's something that we can say about most of our members, especially some of the ones that we've talked to in the last couple of days. Here is the fact that um, is the fact that a lot of you guys are are sponges. You know, everyone seems to be a sponge here, at learning from one another and everything like that. And I think that's the product. That's what we're trying to provide here with the profit roadmap, is a r- not. I mean, Cody and I certainly aren't experts. Um, we try
2: to facilitate that information <laughs> yeah, coming exactly, out. Yeah, exactly. We, we know try nothing.
0: To, we try to, you know, push people to, uh, to to do the job for us. I guess I guess that is kind of the millennial approach. We get p- other people to do it. Is that
2: is that one of the things or? Uh, I, no, millennials work hard. Have you heard Ted talking? Well, have you been uh, have you listening? Does. Oh, my God. We're calling this a TED Talk. Oh, man.
1: I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't think I can, I can I can't live up room. to that. I can't live up to that. No,
2: it's too late.
0: Well, TED, it's, it's Ted works. Yeah, TED works hard. Yeah, we're do- we've we're established doing it all caps.
2: that.
1: <laughs> but maybe you could be argue that I'm really lazy, and that's why I didn't go back in the field. Maybe it wasn't stubbornness. I mean, it was just it was lazy, and I just yeah, refused to go. It in the I wasn't lazy. I know that.
0: But again, and that's another example of restraint, of discipline. No, I'm not going back in the field. That's not what I wanted to do. That's not the philosophy. That's not the, so it's not just about the money. Like you said, it's not just about the money. It's about finding that right philosophy. And I think there's something to be said about that, that a lot of people just don't get. Um, That a lot of people just, they look at the zeros at the end of the check and that's all that really matters to them. At the end of the day, they just think about the money and it's, it's, it's also how you get that money. And you, by you taking out commercial, or it could have been residential. It could have been the other way could around. Could have been anything. Yeah. yeah. Could have been. It, it was just whatever it was going to work.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Correct. I mean, in the in the words of the pumpkin plan, whatever your pumpkin is, maybe it's getting. For a lot of people, it's don't do residential. They only do commercial. That's fine. That's their business model.
0: Right. I mean, we have to have it. You know, you have
2: to have it out there. There has to be it. So you. Well, Ted, do you have anything to plug or anything you want people to look at? Uh, no, I'm a total loser. I don't have anything cool. I mean, oh, okay. What's
0: your website?
1: Uh, summitlawnslincoln.com.
0: Summitlawnslincoln.com. Yeah,
1: so if you want a quote request from another city, whoever's listening to this podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we really want to thank Ted today for coming on to the Profit Roadmap. Um, we'll be continuing to gather some other member stories. Um, but uh, uh, Ted, thank you so much for your time. Really yeah, appreciate no, it. Yeah, I really
1: appreciate it. it was, uh, it's been really great. I mean, and by the way, uh, this is my first conference. And I've been blown away by how cool the staff is. For service, I mean, obviously, it's like you, you, when I call in with a question. That's customer service. Their job is to be cool to my office staff or to me or whoever. But everyone else is super nice. So if you haven't been to conference, again, you're, I mean, you first got to say I didn't value it because I figured I'm busy. I got other things to do, and I'm really glad it came.
2: Fantastic, awesome. We're glad. Thank you, came you so too. much. Did that, get a discount
1: uh, actually for saying that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, uh, well, we'll work on that. We're hard pretty hard. low uh, on the totem all pole. Right,
1: fair enough. Well, John's across the room. I'll ask him.
2: There you go. Yeah, fantastic. Good, good fair enough. All right. Thanks again, Ted. Thanks, guys. The music in this episode of The Prophet Roadmap was "Riptide" and "Summon the Rock" by Kevin Macleod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff. Incompetech.com.